and welcome to the FM Podcast. I'm Jen Fritz, and I run Fritz Media, a music publicity and digital marketing firm located in Vancouver, Canada. And this is episode number 20 of the podcast. So excited. We did it. 20 episodes. So things are going to be a little bit crazy this week. First of all, uh, I have to let you know that today's show is the final episode of season one of the FM podcast. And uh, we'll be back with season two in a couple months. Don't worry. We'll be back. Just taking a little break. You see, when I started this podcast, I had every intention of delivering an episode to you every single week. But (laughs) it turns out that producing a podcast every week is more time consuming than I anticipated. And when you're trying to run a business and, you know, have a life and on top of that, just live through a pandemic. Well, there's only so many hours in a day and, uh, you know, I can only do so much. So we made the decision to have seasons of the show so that I can have just a a little bit of a break. But don't worry, we'll be back. We're going to be back better than ever. (laughs) It's going to be great. So uh, make sure that you do stay subscribed to the podcast, though, because we'll be sending out updates and letting you know when, when we'll be back. So our guest on the show today is someone who I have known for a long time, Mr. Jeff Goddard. Jeff is the managing partner at the Frontside Group, and when I asked him to be on the show to talk about radio promotion, he thought it might be fun to switch things up a little bit and, you know, kind of do a little bit of a wild card episode where he interviews me instead of me interviewing him. And in the end, what we ended up with (laughs) was a, a little bit of both. This is more of a conversation about what we've both learned in the business after 20 years than it is specifically about publicity or radio promotion. But hopefully you'll enjoy it. And you know what? You might even learn something new. (laughs) Anyway, here's my conversation with Jeff Goddard. Well, hello, Jeff. How are you doing today? Hello, Jen. I'm good. How are you? You know. This is this is how I answer it every time <laughs> I start my podcast. You know. Yeah, you know, we're, we're in a yeah. pandemic, so I, I yeah. guess fine. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm good. I, I'm trying to live in the world of optimism, and it's sunny out today, so I'm good. I love that. I love that for you, Jeff. Uh, I, in fact, uh, I when I told you I wanted to interview you, we talked a few weeks ago, um, and you told me about your your new optimistic outlook. It kind of you know it, it bled through to me. I it, I felt that it, I Jeez. really I really felt that, and yeah, I've been carrying that with me. So you gave me a little bit of optimism and sunshine. So thank you. <laughs> I can't promise that I've lived only in an optimistic place since that time, but I'm doing my best. Oh, I love that. So you and I have known each other for a long time. Uh, We worked together at Frontside for six years. (laughs) Can you believe that? Six years. I actually had to go to my LinkedIn to check how long (laughs) it was before I did this interview, (laughs) which was hilarious. And then, you know, what's kind of funny about that, too, is like, I actually haven't seen you in a long time. So it's such a weird thing to think about how we work together for for that long. And then we were in each other's lives so intensely. And then just like, I, I... haven't seen you in a long time. <laughs> I think so that like there are, you know, certain relationships you have with people where it's not all that important to see one another. That's um, true. And yeah, like I've got a lot of friends that I feel that way about and you're certainly one of them. I don't feel any 
more or less close from you uh, from not having seen you physically. No, it's true. Uh, yeah, I have yeah. a lot of friends like that too. Yeah, yeah. It, it's just once you see each other, you're just right back at it, and absolutely, uh, and everything's fine. Yeah, that's totally true. So I thought I would start things off by asking you uh, a little bit about your background. You know, how did you get started in the music industry? What's what's your story? Uh, I started playing in bands when I was like in high school and, you know, kind of fairly basic origin story like that. I ended up meeting some people that worked at Network Records, which is, um, you know, a label and management company, which is based here in Vancouver. And started volunteering over there and found like the whole music business side of things to be quite fascinating and all kinds of really fun and interesting and creative people that were working at network at the time. And, um, my interest kind of, yeah, ended up splitting away from playing and grew more into like sort of the industry side of things. Started off working in the mailroom there and gradually kind of just worked through the company, largely on the label side, kind of learning as I went. And it was a fascinating sort of education about the business. It was quite a small company when I started there, and they just grew exponentially over the time I was there, which was awesome to watch. And along the way, I ended up meeting Gary McDonald, who's my business partner uh, now. And at a certain point, Gary ended up working at Network as well. We worked there together very closely for a couple of years. And then ended up leaving to start uh, Frontside, which is one of our companies in, in 2003. Frontside does radio promotion and marketing. And we did that here in Vancouver for a number of years. Uh, you were obviously a major part of that and one of the very first in. Um, That's true. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Gary moved to New York in, I forget what year now, but... He's been in New York longer than he was ever in, you know, Vancouver when we worked together, which is crazy to think about. And we ended up, yeah, yeah, yeah. And ended up opening a company in the U.S. called Strange Loop Promotions, which does radio marketing in the States. And more recently in the past handful of years, we've started something called the NAC chart, N-A-C-C. That's the North American College and Community Chart, which is the uh, overall sort of um, top 200 and genre charts for the college radio and non-com radio formats in uh, US and North America. And then just fairly recently, we've started a new company called Anchor Business Management. And that is a business management company for the entertainment field, sort of with an initial focus on music and looking to branch out. And that's in partnership with our accountants, Baker Tilly. So kind of a mixed story, but for Gary and I, usually generally tied into, you know, radio promotion and marketing in some fashion, but very much so with kind of a North American scope at this point. Okay. I love it. I, I love Everyone that I talk to, uh, people that work in the music industry on the podcast, the origin story is always like kind of similar. Like mm. I started off volunteering or I started off just, you know, I just started at the college radio station or I just. So, so many like, people started at college radio that it comes up all of the time. It's so weird. I, I didn't, I guess I didn't really know. Uh, how many people, but so many people that I've talked to, <laughs> I had no idea. <laughs> yeah, agreed. It's so crazy. So this is our final episode of season one of the podcast. And since you and I have such a long history together, you and I discussed it and thought that maybe we would, you know, do things a little, a little bit different uh, on this episode of the podcast and maybe just do sort of a, a quiz format? Is that what you what you we're, would call we're gonna it? We're going to go rogue. Yeah, we'll go yeah. rogue. 
<laughs> what happens at the end of your season? Like, do you get a really long vacation or something like this? Well, here's the thing. When I started this podcast, I was like, oh, it'll be fine. I'll do, I'll just release an episode every week. It's, it's going to be great. And then Jeff, I realized how much work it is to <laughs> produce a podcast every week. And 52 of them. And I was like, you know what we're going to do? We're going to release this in seasons. So it's wise. Yeah. So I've done 20 episodes. You're the 20th. Awesome. And Fritz is going to take the summer off is what she's going to do. <laughs> so Good for you. You deserve a break. You've put in a good shift and uh, yeah, <laughs> taking a bit of time off. I, I really appreciate a good look. <laughs> I really appreciate it. And you know, we'll be back uh, in a couple months and things will be a little different because what I'm going to do is hire somebody to help me produce it. <laughs> Brilliant. Because I can't do it all, Jeff. I can't. <laughs> good, good for you, though. Good for you. Thanks. Thanks a lot. So, do you want to start with like, we have it. So, me and Jeff have a list of questions here. Do you want me to lob the first one to you, or how do you want to do this? I'm going to lob this one at you, if that's all right. With okay. You. That's and then you cool. can lo- lob it right on back. It's just okay. a game of catch for the next however long we're here. I love it. Enjoy yourselves, people. We're going rogue. <laughs> Fritz. The favorite artist or artists you've ever worked with? Oof. This is like this one I I was thinking about because I'm like, do I want to say? Because <laughs> because as I've worked with so many people that it's kind of a tough one. So what I'm gonna do for this one is just kind of pick a a few like obviously A-list <laughs> people because you know those were like the most epic ones. And obviously those ones are kind of going to be tied to Frontside because a lot of those I worked with when I when uh, I did publicity at Frontside. So sure. one that comes to mind is is probably uh, when we worked Debbie Harry's record. You remember that? Absolutely. I sure do. <laughs> I think that was like in 2007, 2008 or something like that. That's right. And my favorite, favorite memory from that, I tell this story all the time because I, 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 I know where you're going with this and I, I want to <laughs> hear it from you again <laughs> it's been some time well but just because obviously like when you work with someone at that level it it's you know you work in this business long enough and everybody people are just people right so you you work with them I'm you know you don't see them as you know at this higher level or they're a celebrity and oh my god they're just people everyone's just a person but there is something like next level about Debbie Harry <laughs> that when I when I was in Toronto doing uh, a couple days of press with her when the album came out we were doing some morning shows she was staying at the Four Seasons I was not so <laughs> I had to obviously get to the walk to the Four Seasons from my hotel I get there and I, I meet up with the the car service that we have to take us to you know good morning whatever Canada AM or whatever it was that that we were going to so I'm waiting for her you know with the driver in the car and uh <laughs> She comes out of the Four Seasons. She gets in the back of the car. I'm sitting up front with the driver and I start kind of, you know, blah, 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 going over the itinerary. And she just like looks at me and does the like, shh, like lip, like puts her finger to her yeah, lips. Yeah. And I was like, okay, Debbie Harry, sorry. <laughs> it is, it is morning time. And uh, and those Canada AM, like those calls were very early, if I recall, particularly for somebody coming from PST. That's an aggressive time to be like, never mind awake, but also like awake and working. Yeah. So I was like, Debbie Harry, no problem. I will shut the fuck up. <laughs> that is totally fine. 
<laughs> but yeah, th- honestly, if anyone ever asked me, like, who's what's their favorite artist you ever worked with? Just working on that campaign was like a, a totally dream come true to, to work with somebody like that. I obviously have lots and lots of other artists that uh, I've loved working with and I've worked on some fabulous campaigns, but you know, I love that, that Debbie bought you clothing as a gift as well. Oh, I knew you were going to bring that. Okay, so that's, <laughs> that's the other story. All right. So picture this, we're done. We've done a full day of press. Uh, we're walking down Queen street West in Toronto and uh, we walked past a, a store and uh, I was like, oh, I like that dress, blah, blah, blah. I just like pointed it out. And then when, so when we were done doing all of our press, she gave me, she bought that dress for me and she gave it to me. Debbie Harry, fashion icon, gave me a dress and people, I still love it. that dress yeah. never looked good on me. <laughs> <laughs> like I tried to make it work for years and I finally had to just get rid of it because I just wanted to wear it because Debbie Harry gave me a dress, but it was purchased in the spur of the moment. I understand. It didn't look good. And Debbie Harry gave it to me, Jeff. You know what? It's the thought that counts. Oh, did you give it away? I did. I I finally, I had to, cause I, I kept trying to make it work and it mm-hmm. wasn't gonna. I knew it wasn't going to work. I just yeah. finally had to be, it's over. <laughs> I can't remember the exact specifics of the story, but there's something in Anthony Kiedis's book about somebody having given him like a really, you know, important piece of clothing to them and just like imparting the wisdom of, you know, if there's something which you love and is incredible, but you know, somebody else thinks it's cool as well. It's really great to, to give it away and to pass it on. I think that that was somewhat of the inspiration to like, to give it away at the song, which is something that obviously I haven't remembered the specifics of it very well, but the concept of it, I suppose, still resonates. Oh, Anthony Kiedis. <laughs> there you go. So, uh, should I lob that question right back at you? Yeah, you bet. Favorite okay. artist I've worked with. The easy one for me is John Mann from Spirit of the West. And to be fair, uh, Spirit of the West as a group. It's a you know band that I grew up listening to and was, you know, just a important part regionally, I think, of music, you know, out here in, in Vancouver. And getting to know the guys, I just fell in love with them all. Uh, I signed John to Network when I was there and we did his solo record, Acoustic Kitty, which was you know, an incredible experience for me to be working with somebody who I'd grown up listening to and to be, you know, involved in the, you know, A&R and creative process, which was just a blessing and a wonderful man and somebody who I, you know, remained close with after leaving that work. And then Gary and I went on to work with Spirit of the West several times over the years and got to know, you know, a bunch of the guys, but primarily Vince Dittrich very well. And yeah people who were still very very close with you know speaking with Vince just yesterday and yeah that's an easy answer for me you know very special moments and I I miss John and uh yeah miss working with spirit but yeah lovely people and just everything you would want from a friendship through music or, or a client relationship that's for sure they're always just such a delight and then the other one for me kind of relates back to you know those those Debbie and uh uh, Alan Kovac years, and it's it ended up spending a reasonable amount of time around Nikki Six from Motley Crue, uh, as did you. Um, There's this is going to be a, a Nikki Six heavy I- interview, by yeah, the way. Yeah, I think Nikki is probably going to show up once or twice <laughs> along the way. But yeah, like the I remember a, a couple of times just with him, and for somebody that you wouldn't assume was you know particularly deep 
he said some fairly deep shit to me in times that he and I were together. And he uh, struck me as kind of a interesting kind of wise old soul dude, which was surprising to me. But he was for somebody who was you know, obviously as famous as he was and seen as much as he had. He was somebody yeah. who was very, very easy to deal with. Uh, the rest of them weren't, but Nikki was a delight. <laughs> and uh, Nikki was fine. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I had, you know, a whole variety of stories somehow weaving around Nikki that transpired throughout a number of years after, you know, the time we worked with them. So those are my oh, two. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I love it. That's yeah. so awesome. Yeah, those were some fun times, man, working on the, on that and the and the Motley Crew press conference. Like, jeez. I fear we'll come back to that before this we're episode is over. We're going to come back to it. Don't worry. Don't worry. All right. Fritz, what about your job? Have you missed most during the pandemic? What have you been uh, what have you been pining for? What have I missed most? I I think that the thing that I miss most is traveling. Uh, traveling for work, going to conferences, going, or even just like going to, you know, Toronto to do promo for an artist. It's something that like you kind of see as like a, a headache <laughs> at the time, maybe, right? But now I really miss it. I just, I miss doing that. I miss, I miss the camaraderie, like, for example, of just like going to a, conference or 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 a Juno awards or you know some somewhere where the music industry is collected and we all just have some drinks together and talk sh- shit you know like mm. i think i i miss the sense of community that we have in the music industry the canadian music industry is so small <laughs> that i i just That's i right. miss that connection a little bit i think yeah. How about you? What what parts have you yeah, have you travel missed? travel to? I think that's the main thing for me. I'm missing friends that I work with, you know, and you know, when you work in you know one business for so long, you know, you do make make friends with people. And so I, I miss seeing some of the people that uh I'd hang out with in other cities. I, I miss miss London, I miss New York, I miss, you know, being on the road occasionally. <laughs> with that said, I've grown very comfortable being at home and I'm not rushing to get on an airplane at the moment. Yeah. But you know, should things feel normal, not too distant future. I would definitely like to, yeah, go see people again, be back on the road a bit. And it's important for a business. It's a relationships-based business for you and for I. And um, at a certain point, you need to go relate with people. Yeah, no, that, that is definitely true. Okay, so question number three. Okay. Do you want to ask me or should I ask you? Let's flip the script. Oh, we're going to switch it out. Okay, so question number three, best worst parts of running your own business what would you say best part for me and it's you know probably quite personal i think the key to whatever success we've had has been the fact that gary and i are there to work on things together we've been working together for a lot of years now and like look we're really close we just leave the phone line essentially open most days yeah. and uh, talk for hours and we have the ability to run ideas together. You know, it's probably the most enjoyable part for me. He gave me this book called, it's called Working Together that oddly Michael Eisner wrote uh, a number of years ago, which kind of just explored. Um, uh, oddly. <laughs> oddly, yeah, but like the different dynamics of people working in partnership. And he, I would have never known that Michael Eisner had a business partner, but for most of the years when he was at Disney, he worked with a guy called Frank Wells, who was essentially like his partner and ran the other side of Disney. You know, you everybody knew who Eisner was and nobody really knew who Wells was, but you know, their partnership was very important to Eisner. So he went out and interviewed and spoke with a variety of other people that worked kind of in equally visible partnerships or else slightly um, more or less visible partnerships. And it was uh, it was a fascinating read and really drew to me the importance of 
for us being able to work with another person. So that's been kind of yeah. like one thing for me. And it's obviously not the thing for it works for everybody, but it does very much for us. Oh, definitely. Yeah, I can I can see that because I would say, you know, if you throw that back to me, what's that's one of the things that I wish I would have done is I wish I would have started with a business partner because mm. the worst part I think of running a business by yourself is not having that sounding board. Right. And I mean, I do have people now that I, I trust in the business that I talk to about these things, but it is really hard when you're running the business by yourself to know if you're doing the right thing or if you're making the right choice. Cause the only person that you're kind of asking is yourself. So I, I, I guess I always, I always understood why you guys started the business together. Cause it seemed like such a smart, especially when I, since I was there from the beginning right? and, and just saw it like evolve. I've, I've seen, I've seen all the struggles, Jeff. So yeah, <laughs> I've no, learned, I've learned everything about running a business from you guys, right? Hopefully you picked up a few things, uh, good and bad along the way, but God, we knew nothing when we started no. so I think that having both of us there was you know important. And we were, we were kids, we were babies. No, it's true. In fact, the, the, the biggest reason I never wanted to start my own business is because I saw how hard it was. <laughs> When I worked with nice. you guys. <laughs> well, I knew it's not easy. I'm teasing, it's yeah. not easy. No, it's you not. know what I mean? It is a lot of work, right? So that's, you know, that's the other thing. It is a lot of work. You were definitely there for a lot of the, you know, learning by feel moments. Well, <laughs> that's, front side. that's how you do it though, right? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Best part for you? Best part for me is probably the freedom I don't think I could ever, ever go back to working a corporate job or working in a normal office environment after working at Frontside and then, you know, working for myself. What an um, office environment that was. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. I think, yeah, I just like the freedom. I mean, and the freedom is good and bad because, you know, I like being able to you know, plan what my year looks like and, you know, plan when I'm, I don't have to worry, like I only get two weeks vacation or whatever, but then that's also the downside is you really have to plan in advance. And especially as somebody who's, you know, I have people that work with me, but I am not at a point where I could just, you know, take off for like a month and not have to like dip in and work while I'm doing that. Right. So I think that when yeah. you're running your own business, you're always checking. So even if I'm in, Portugal, I'm still having to put in some time and work. You know? Yeah, I know that's a fair point for sure. That probably, yeah, factors into my my worst. I think for me, yeah, it's probably just on the worst side of things, just anxiety and lack of sleep and things yeah. of the sort. You know, it's just <laughs> kind of omnipresent, uh, regardless of how well things are going. There's always a degree of anxiety. No, it's so true. Like you're just always like, oh my god, oh my god. But yeah, it's. I don't know, a any part, like even if you worked like a normal job, there's good and bad sides of that too. So you just got to decide. You got to decide what you want, I guess, yeah. in life, right? No, fair enough. Next one. Which one is, where are we? I can ask you. I found it on my list. What have you done to stay positive throughout COVID? How have you handled the pandemic trying to keep a smile on your face? Yeah, that's been a bit of a hard one. I think for me, what I did was I 
you know, stay, try to keep my routine as, as normal as I could and do the things that I know help with my mental health. So, you know, which was hard at the beginning of the pandemic when everything was shut down, but, you know, I, I have since, you know, kind of been able to fall more into my routine and, you know, make sure that I get my workouts in, I make sure that I'm able to run and, you know, try to connect with people like my friends as much as I can, which Mm -hmm. is really hard, but uh, yeah. And then I've just also uh, starting this podcast was kind of a, I needed some other creative outlet. (laughs) So, um, well, what an incredibly, you know, positive outcome of it though. Right. Like if you were to look back and say, from something bad, this was born out of it, right? With a desire to be creative, you came up with an idea and have, you know, birthed something that's excellent. No, it's true. And it, it, it was, it was a, a good distraction, you know, you know, I complain about how, how much time it took up, but what else was I going to do? So, sure. <laughs> you know, sure, yeah, sure, sure. that, that was definitely a good one. How about you? What have you, what have you been doing to stay positive? Uh, I feel the need to almost be forced to stay positive with kids my age you know i think that there's the need to keep them informed about what's going on but also you know try and identify what are you know good things that could have come out of today or what's going on this month or just in general throughout the pandemic so we've been talking a lot and my kids are wonderful and kind and caring and understanding and i think that that has made me want to you know empower that in them and try and find the good from the bad um stayed you know quite close to home and low-key for the first six or so months of COVID and it was very like not paying much attention to you know the social component of things and I guess I've been attempting to (laughs) reconnect with friends a little bit more (laughs) recently (laughs) um but I think more than anything you know you touched on it as well I've been getting quite active and exercising and riding my bike a lot and getting back into back into summer shape I've developed an interest in cooking and those are probably all good distractions that have allowed me to be yeah a little bit more focused on a routine like you say like you said yeah 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 because I I lost that at the beginning that just leveled me at the beginning I just I couldn't I couldn't like every because I am somebody that likes structure and likes Mm. routine and I was just like I didn't know what to do like what's happening like (laughs) i have everything structured and i can't do what i want to do right now (laughs) so yeah it it was yeah yeah i think i was largely the same okay so next one here next question i'll ask you this one what still impresses you or gets you really excited uh, about your job or music in general it sounds like kind of like whatever privileged industry thing to say but i really still love watching a band play from side to stage and i think that being able to see like the connection between a band and or an artist of any kind and their audience is still like incredible being able to be like standing right there seeing what they see and that is always to me given that we don't work directly in the live side of things a great reminder for me as to why we all kind of do this and why we're supporting artists and why, you know, it's all important to them too. you know, to be able to see that in place is wonderful. And I realize that not everybody gets the opportunity to sit there and watch bands uh, side stage, but I still do always get, (laughs) you know, kind of, uh, you know, that tingly feeling watching that whenever it happens. My kids are getting a little bit too comfortable with seeing shows 
from sitting on the stage as well, which we're going to have to put a stop to soon because <laughs> it's become a little bit too normal for them to be, um, yeah, whatever, roaming around behind uh, behind the stage or things like that. They're going to have to go find themselves in a mosh pit sooner rather than later. Go yeah. wait in the line, guys. Buy a ticket. <laughs> Get in with the crowd, you guys. That's a good dad flex, though, that you, sure. <laughs> that you have, right? <laughs> <laughs> How about you? Let's see. I think something similar, like I, I, I still love that thrill of seeing, seeing something connect, especially if you've worked on it for a while. I think that that's probably overall the thing is, you know, just seeing it all work. Yeah. yeah like all it, come to fruition in some fashion. Yeah. Yeah. When it all comes together, you know, and sometimes that can be, you know, five years of hard work to, to get to that stage, you know, and, and you're just finally like, oh my God, it's all happening. Or just like when you work on a campaign and it just, because they very rarely do. When you're working on a campaign and it all goes the way you want it to. Yeah. (laughs) Because that never happens. Bless the occasions it does. Yep. But when it does, it's like the best. And it always, like that's, that feeling can carry over for like, you know, all of those times where you're like, why am I doing this? <laughs> or you yeah. just had a bad day or something. Buys you another year of optimism. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. You just like remember that feeling for a while. <laughs> yeah. Jen, the most important band or song in your history, if you have to pick one, is there a band, song, album, something like that, that really made a difference to you? Like that I've worked with or just? No, I think more just something that was important to you personally, probably like when you were younger something that had a formative impact on you if there was anything the one i want to say i've already talked about on the podcast (laughs) i don't know if i want to do it again but i um so maybe i'll do uh, because i was gonna say whole live through this but i've already everybody knows how much i love whole because that album was a seminal one for young fritz but i think maybe just in terms of i don't know i'm getting older so you think about all of those the music you listen to your in your youth is always the most important music to you right like that's that's the music that kind of shaped who you are and, and it lives within you. So in that way, maybe like um, you too, because I remember just, you know, being a young person. And I know that the, the young people don't understand the relevance of, of you too. <laughs> they just like to make fun of them. I know they're a punchline now, but um, in the eighties, they were a cool band, everybody. So uh, yeah, just like, hearing those you know those first albums that that they they put out and what was the act on tour called was it called like zoo was it zoo tv zoo tv yeah <laughs> that was like one of the first big concerts i went to on my own and that was incredibly important to me and i think i think act is an incredible album yeah and obviously all their previous output was as well yeah i yeah just to me like joshua tree is uh, uh, still one of my favorite albums good answer yeah yeah yeah, it's a, I don't know. That's a tough one because there's so many, you know, artists along the way that have had an impact on me. But I think that that one, like you two, just me growing up in Tabor, Alberta <laughs> and being like, this music speaks to me. This is amazing. Yeah. I've been asked the question before and it's kind of always the same answer for me, which was Pearl Jam's 10 oh, album. See, that's one for me too, actually, but go ahead. <laughs> Yeah, like that was just that record arrived at a really important time for me when I was like in the younger years of high school and probably needed, um, you know, some personal course correction and, you know, met 
just a variety of people who were you know into music and you know a kind of more positive lifestyle and yeah i think a lot of good for me came out of you know discovering that album and probably created a slightly different path for me than the one that i was on so i think for that i'm always grateful and you know it was an incredible record all of the way through and kind of ushered in a slightly different time you know in rock music and i was playing in bands at the time and whatnot so that was all yeah that was all important stuff to me that record that record was big for sure i love that record yeah i had the tape i had the tape absolutely (laughs) yeah i carried it around with nine others in my case logic case so did i back and forth to places i was going yeah right next to the nirvana uh, sound garden (laughs) yeah beastie boys my son has recently learned what Metallica is. I don't know that he's necessarily a fan, but he's got this like card game that he plays that has all different kinds of bands. And um, having never seen or really heard Metallica before, he was walking around referring to them as Metallica for a period of time. Metallica. Metallica. I love that. Fritz, your favorite or funniest memory or memories from your time with me and Gary and the gang at Frontside? Oh, gosh it's funny I, like humorous there's like there's too many Jeff like, like <laughs> there's there's so many funny moments that happened we did uh, laugh a lot <laughs> like we did some stupid ass hilarious shit like let's be honest but when I saw this question the first thing I thought of was it's a memory with you and it I was wonder if we're gonna have the same <laughs> it was after the that day of doing the Motley Crue press conference, and it was such a stressful day. You and I, the whole team was in LA. We were dealing with yeah. good, we were dealing we were dealing with press all day because we were in charge of getting Canadian press down to the Motley Crue press conference. And it, we were just like, this if we get through this day, everything's gonna be fine. And so it was finally over. And I don't know what we were I was in the car with just you. This is my recollection of it, but you and I were in a vehicle together and you just stopped at like a 7-Eleven and uh, I was just like, what are we doing? What's going on? I I don't really know what's happening. And and you were just like, Fritz, we're just going to go in there and we're going to get a beer and we're going to just sit here for a while. (laughs) That's exactly how I recall it as well. (laughs) And I was like, okay, Jeff, that sounds fine. So like it was me and you in a 7-Eleven parking lot sitting like, I don't know. On, on, the, on the curb. On yeah, the yeah. curb with our beers. And we just sat there and we were like, we just did that. And I can't believe that happened. <laughs> yeah, I still know exactly where that Sev is. It's on Sunset. And whenever I drive past it, I do think of that as well. And that's so funny you picked that because that's such a vivid memory for me as well. And uh, I don't think prior to or since uh have i ever dealt with an event that was that stressful we must have had i think 30 media people with us contest winners and then i remember everybody needing to upload footage as well i don't know if you recall that at the end of it deadlines all that i remember i I just remember dealing with uh laney from ctv because she was she was there for ctv and and respectfully, we, she was a nightmare. She, well, she wasn't. She didn't make things easy for no. us. Let's just say that. Yeah. And we couldn't, we had to meet her upload time. Like we had to meet and it was a nightmare. Like I just remember 
almost have like I was like I can't deal with this. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, our, our problem solving skills were definitely <laughs> put to the test that day, and I think that by the end of it, the reason it was just so exhausting was like we everything worked out. It was one of those coming back to the feeling that you're talking about before of just everything ultimately going right. But man, that was a day we were fully put through the ringer. I remember just being so terrified of Jordan and Alan that day, and it all ended up working out all right. That is probably the highest stress event yeah. I have ever worked in my entire career. <laughs> Me too. Me too. And that Sev parking lot was just like fully unclenched. Oh, dude, just We're just going to sit like... here and drink a beer in the parking lot. We don't even need to talk. I was like, And then just... we'll carry on with our journey. I can't believe that we just like, we did it. I can't yeah. believe we made it through that. And yeah. And I was like, also, we're done. <laughs> we're done. Yeah. I remember things got quite lit at the hotel later that night, but for that moment in time, I think you and I just needed a little moment. All right. Well, you know what? I think that uh, that seems like a, a really good time to to end with this wonderful going rogue quiz that we have done here. We've done some some good work. Please, let's stop. <laughs> um, and I think we'll uh, right now head on over to the fresh content segment. Every week on the show, we discuss our favorite piece of music content for the week, and we always like to start with the guest. So, Jeff, what do you got for us? With the caveat that it's a client we're working with, I absolutely love Rostam's song, mm -hmm. Forerunner. Um, it's got this like great kind of easing into summer vibe. Um, it's a good sunroof, open, windows down kind of cut, and... Uh, I've just been going back to it a lot, particularly given that it's warming up and getting sunny, these parts. And uh, that's a good song for me for this time of year. I love it. The, most people pick artists that they're working with. So don't feel bad about that because uh, <laughs> it happens like a lot. <laughs> it's okay. I'm always the one actually that's not picking artists that I work with. And I'm like just picking like like last week I did Olivia Rodrigo because that album is so good. Is it? Oh, Jeff, it is so good. I love it so much. <laughs> On your recommendation, I'll give it a try. But the whole Paramore misery business stuff just really sent me the wrong way. I don't know. It's okay. I understand. It, it's a really good record, though. So I don't know. Fair enough. Give it a listen. I'll give it a shot. Give it, I mean, yep. yeah. I mean, the first song, Brutal, is a total Elastica ripoff. So know that going in, okay. but <laughs> I appreciate the warning because after the Paramore business, uh, Paramore misery business ripoff. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I just, you know, I'll just put that out there, but yeah, I think it's really good. But on that note, I think that, you know, since this is the final episode, I, I'll pick uh, one of my own artists as a <laughs> recommendation too, you know, nice. why not? And it's actually an artist that I interviewed on the, the show on an earlier ap episode. It's Vancouver musician Bukola. Do you know Bukola? By name only. Yeah, she just released a, a new single. It's called I Am Enough, and it just came out last week. It's so good. It's the second single from her new album, The Chronicles of a Teenage Mind, which is coming out on June 25th. And it's just, it's a great, I mean, she wrote it as because she wanted to write uh, like a, an early 2000s influence, like R&B influence song. Yep. And, I, you know, late 90s. Uh, early 2000s, you know, R&B is, it's, I like that stuff. That's good stuff. She, anyway, it's a great song. And it's a, it's a song that uh, she just wrote based on her experience of, of being a, a black woman uh, growing up in 
Coquitlam and uh, what that experience is like and just saying that she is enough and also recognizing uh, other black female artists that have paved the way for her music career along the way. And I'm going to check it out. It's a great song. Yeah, it's really good. And it's available on all of your DSPs. Choose your favorite DSP. (laughs) Speaking of DSPs, uh, and as a brief aside, did you get the Spotify, presuming you use Spotify, only you campaign thing today when you logged in? Did I? You've got this whole thing. It's kind of like your um, year-end review thing where it shows you like how much you listen to or your favorite artist from the year or things like this. Oh, no, I didn't get it. But the the problem with it is I listen to a lot of like chill music when I work. So I listen to it. So it's never right. Jen, <laughs> because... congratulations on another year listening to Enya, your favorite artist that you listen to only and all of the time. Yeah. Well, it's just like, you know, 100% lounge, like house focus. Like that's like, it's basically just like. Or knuckle flow all you know, the time. Ch- chill chill hop like the 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 stuff that network put out all, do you know what i mean I'm like familiar. yeah yeah so so familiar <laughs> yeah yeah so it's because i i don't like listening to lyrics when i w- work so it's everything that just doesn't have lyrics so it never works but anyway you what was, oh, when, I, what was I, on I logged your... into mine and it uh i see what, how they phrase it here it's called only you and they put up this graphic and it's like who else but you would play Shaka after Depeche Mode? And they put up like graphics of both of them. And it's like a little judgy with the phrasing guys, you know, like I'm going to say whoever I want after whoever I want. Uh, but I found that just to be a curious That's presentation. Funny, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but I suppose as another uh, recommendation for listeners, I do listen to a lot of British R&B and apparently I listen to enough Shaka that it has made my, uh, Spotify recommends only you thingy, and uh, that's another artist that I'm I'm big into. S H A K K A Shaka. Check that out. Yeah, he's. I like that uh, on the on the British sort of R and B tip. I like that Arlo Parks. It's a great record. Too. It's a great record. Oh, so good. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, that's it, everybody. Thanks, Chris. <laughs> thanks for the trip down memory lane, Jeff, and uh, thanks so much for yeah doing the the final episode of the season and it was so good to catch up with you congrats on season wrap enjoy the summer and you'll be back for round two yeah and i hope to see you soon and maybe we can have a beer together or something we'd love it miss you good to see you fritz yeah bye. bye well <laughs> we were all over the place on that one but uh i really hope you liked it it was so much fun to talk to jeff and to catch up with him uh a little bit. And I feel like it's kind of the perfect way to wrap up this season. Thanks so much for listening to the FM podcast. If you like the show, please tell your friends and give us a rating and review in Apple Podcasts. And make sure you stay subscribed to the podcast because we're going to be back very soon. The FM podcast is produced by Fritz Media. If you want to learn more about Fritz Media, check out our website at fritzmedia.ca. And you can follow us on Facebook. We're at fritzmedia and on Instagram and Twitter at Fritz underscore media. And if you want to learn more about the podcast, go to thefmpodcast.com. And a big thank you to Said the Whale for providing the theme music of the show. 
and you can find them at saidthewhale.com. Okay, so we're going to go out with our song of the week this week. And since I mentioned this track in my fresh content for the week, I thought I might as well play it for you. (laughs) So here's Bukola with her latest track, I Am Enough. Me. 